thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. I'm beginning this series um, that's really it's only a couple weeks, but it, it's really important to me. And, and it's a series that we're, we're looking at the things that God didn't say. We come here to church a lot. We hear the things that God did say. But I wanted to take some time and, and talk about for a couple weeks the things that God didn't say. Because really, we, we, are, we are familiar with a lot of different things in the Bible. What, what, what happens is we come to conclusions about scriptures or we misquote them or, or we think they say something that they don't. And so being familiar with the Bible really matters, particularly when it comes to the context of, of the scripture, why this says this. And, and, and not that any of us would purposely misunderstand a scripture, but here's, here's what happens. And when we misunderstand or when we think something said something or God said something in the Bible that I actually didn't say, it causes us to have wrong beliefs. And how many know that your beliefs really matter? It matters about how you live your life. It matters about how you see God. It matters how you treat people around you. And so well-meaning Christians who love God have misunderstandings about Scripture. And so the purpose of this is to maybe help, help speak into some of that. And so I found an article that's funny, um, but it's titled, You Might Need to Read the Bible More If, and it lays out a few things, if you think the epistles were the wives of the apostles in the Bible. That's funny. Or you might need to read the Bible if you think Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. That's funny on a couple different levels, but anyway. You might need to read the Bible more if your favorite Old Testament hero is Hercules. (laughs) Or you might need to read the Bible more if you think Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were an old rock group from the 60s. You might need to read the Bible more If you're frustrated when you can't find Charleston Heston in your concordance. (laughs) You might need to read the Bible more if if you tell your kids the story of Jonah, the shepherd boy, and his ark of many colors. Now, I I know these are funny, but really the point of this is for us to understand what God has said and what he hasn't said. Or because what happens is, is if we don't know that we will believe something that just isn't true. And pe- actually, a lot of people have written a lot of books on this subject. Actually, one of my, I, I really love this author. His name is Steve McVeigh. He's written books on grace a lot. But he wrote a book called 52 Lies That Churches Teach Every Sunday. And there, there are all types of, of books that speak into this. But really what it is, is there are clever, well-meaning Christians that say things, or, or sorry, clever sayings and well-meaning Christians that say them that sound good on the surface, but when you get into them, it's actually concerning. It's concerning because it affects the way that we believe. I actually heard a pastor talking about one of the sayings that is, uh, you know, the saying that says when God opens a door, he always opens a window. And he was talking about it. He said, listen, that sounds fine and dandy, but when you're on the 17th floor, that is not a solution. <laughs> So today, I want to talk about the saying, God will never give you more than you can bear. 
How many of you have heard that saying before? I won't ask you if you've ever said it before, but I, I, this is a saying that is really, it's been spoken. I've heard it said a lot of times. And so the purpose of this message is to really look about, here's the question, did God really say that? Well-meaning people say these things, they sound like words of wisdom, and, and, and people use them in, in certain situations that really just aren't, aren't hopeful, sorry, aren't helpful. But the problem of misquoted words of wisdom is they bring us to conclusions that actually aren't God's conclusions. They bring us to unhealthy understandings about God and about ourselves that, that really aren't from, from God. And this statement that God will never put more on you than you can bear can bring us to, to all types of misunderstandings. And so I know for a lot of people, though, this statement has been said to us or used um, because a lot of times life feels very overwhelming at times. Life feels, you know what, I just can't go on anymore. I can't carry this weight anymore. Or this is going to crush me. And there's nothing wrong with those feelings. But the reality is that saying is usually spoken during those times to us. And so when we feel like life has taken a nosedive, which is probably many of us in here at some point in our lives, or maybe it even is today, or because you, you've received a bad report from the doctor or financially or you're having relationship problems or relationship pressures and family issues or school issues or you're going through depression or mental illness and you just don't feel it. Maybe you come to the place where you're just like, I can't take it anymore. And then this really well-meaning, good-hearted Christian says, yeah, but listen, God will never put more on you than you can bear. How many would say, you know what, that's, that saying really helped pull me out of a nosedive. <laughs> but what's funny is we laugh about it, and I do too, but the reality is it's never helped anyone. It's because when it's said to you, what happens is this, you... you you realize, well, if he won't put any more on me than I, than I can bear, well, I, I'm not doing a good job at bearing my pain. You think, you know, I must not be very close to God. My faith must be weak. I must not trust God. And the conclusion of this statement is there's something wrong with me and maybe there's something wrong with God. So here's the question. Where did this saying come from? One reason Bible-believing Christians think the Bible says that God won't put on you more than you can bear is because there's a scripture that almost says that, but it doesn't say that. The Bible does say, which is a powerful promise for all of us today, says this in 1 Corinthians 10. And this is where that saying comes from. This is Paul writing, which we'll hear more from him in just a moment. It says there's no temptation has, taken, has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. Now listen to this. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will always provide a way out so that you can endure it. This is where that saying has come from. The context is not problems. The context is not, not pain. The context is not overwhelming pressure in your life. The context of that saying is temptation. That's what it is. And so if you apply this when it talks to temptation about other things of your life, then you will come to a wrong conclusion about what you're going through in the middle of whatever it is you're going through. So what the scripture does say is that God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted, which is an amazing promise beyond what you can bear. And what that means to all of us today in the area of temptation is this, is you are not at the mercy of temptation. You're not. 
Now, even if someone says, you know, I was just tempted so beyond anything that I could bear. Here's the deal. If you are a believer, that statement's not true. Now, you can say, I was tempted and I sinned and I fell. That's true. But to say you were tempted and it was beyond what you could bear is not true according to Scripture because God will always provide a way out of a temptation for you. So then another false misunderstanding of even this verse is this, is that, is that God is the one tempting us. But that's not true either because the Bible clearly says that God never tempts us. And James 1.13 says this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. In other words, there is nothing evil about God. He can't be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone with evil is what that, that is, is saying there. So this saying, God won't give you more than you can bear, though it's rarely used when it should be when someone is facing temptation. If you had a friend who said, listen, man, I'm being tempted. You say, hey, listen, there's a promise, and that is, is this. Start looking for the way out because God's going to provide one for you. Start looking for the way out of your temptation because it's there. It's there. God is faithful to provide a way out. And usually it's this, this saying, God won't give you more than you can bear, is used when someone is in the midst of painful trouble. And that trouble may be in the form of emotional pain, physical pain, spiritual pain or trials, and, or relational pain. And with God's help, I, I really want to help untangle the web of wrong thinking and confusion about this, what this statement creates. So let's just, as we get into this, I just have three questions to ask with some fill in the blanks. What confusion does this statement create? When you believe that God said this, but God didn't say this, what confusion does it create in all of our lives? And the first one is this, it creates confusion about God himself. If you, if you believe this statement, it creates confusion about God himself. It creates confusion about God because it suggests it is God who puts struggle and trouble in our lives. It paints God in the picture that, that he weighs his children down with pain and with suffering, which is contrary to when Jesus said that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If Jesus said my yoke is easy and my burden is light, burden is light, and then we say God puts his burdens on me, that they contradict. It's not true, and it cannot be true. So this is, that's the confusion about God. The Bible teaches that our God, that you and I serve, who loves you and cares for you, is a loving Father who has good plans for you. He's, and it's not to harm you. It's not to put burdens on you that crush you. And the reality is this. The, the vast majority of suffering in, in our world comes from the devil and it comes from the consequences of a fallen world full of sin. God doesn't put his suffering on us. Matter of fact, he sent Jesus to take the penalty that you deserved. That's what scripture says. But here's the, here's the other reality. Suffering does happen in the world. And you and I as Christians are in the middle of it. And, he, and what we do know is this. God usually gets the blame for every disaster and every accident. He just does. More than, more than just a few times I've heard this. I know you have as well. I just can't believe a loving God can allow so many people to suffer and to die. Now I'm not, I'm not dealing with the issue of suffering this morning. But the simple answer to the reason we have death, 
The reason why there is sickness, the reason why there is disaster, the reason why there is suffering in the world is because we are living in a messed up, broken, fallen world. And as long as we live in a messed up, broken, fallen planet, we're going to experience pain. I wish that wasn't true, but that's the reality. But hear me on this side. This is what makes the promise of of heaven so wonderful. That in heaven, once we live on this earth, this is what you need to know. We, We were created to live for eternity. That's what we were created. So the world, the time that we live on this earth is a limited time. And in this time, we are enduring the fallenness of this world, the fallenness of of our flesh. Listen, if I took a hammer and hit my hand right now, guess what? It would hurt. It would hurt because pain is in our world. But the promise of heaven that all of those who put their trust in Jesus Christ, that one day we're going to step from this life and this season and we're going to graduate into eternity. And so once we get to heaven, we are no longer going to have pain, no longer going to have suffering, no longer going to have sickness. We're never going to experience death or the death of a loved one ever again. We're going to be totally filled with peace and wholeness from this world into the next. And that is our promise of heaven. Amen to that. But it's important we understand that this world is not our home. It's not our home. And so to live our lives like this world is our home and everything is going to be perfect on our home, we're going to be, we're going to be very, very disappointed. Because the trouble in this life is the consequences of the fall of man. It's the, it's the consequences of that the suffering exists in the world like a, like a nuclear fallout from an atom bomb that goes off. We suffer from the fallout of the fall. Now, Jesus Christ can redeem us, and he saves us, and he meets us right where we are. He prepares us for eternity. He meets us right where we are, and, and he does miracles in our life. But the reality is this. While we are still on this earth, there's going to be suffering, and there's going to be pain. And so we can blame sin, we can blame Satan, we can blame our bad choices, but I want you to hear me today, and friends, I want you to hear me. We cannot blame God for putting trouble in our lives because it's not from Him. And life is full of trouble. Life is full of struggles. Life is is full of disappointment. But I want you to hear me. The God that we serve, He is a good God. He is a good God. He he sent his son Jesus to demonstrate his goodness. He sent his son Jesus to endure your pain. The infirmities of man, that which you and I deserved, was placed upon him. We all, like sheep, had gone astray. Each of us had gone our own way. But Jesus came to demonstrate the goodness of God, that God sent his only son. That word only is very important. Because it wasn't he had three options or four options. He had one option, and it was his dearest of sons that he had, he had been with from eternity. And he sent him in your place and my place to give us hope that from this life into the next, we can access the full peace that each one of us was created to have, and that is in heaven. And this is the whole picture, that God is good. Life is full of trouble, but God is good. Another confusion about what this, what this statement creates when we believe it is confusion about myself. Really, this misquoted verse 
can make us feel guilty in the midst of our struggles. We ask ourselves questions like this, and probably you have before. Well, then, if God won't put more on me than I can bear, then why am I falling apart? Why, why, am, I, why am I struggling so much? And we carry this unnecessary guilt and shame and weight because it can make broken people with brokenness in their lives think that they are somehow a second-class Christian. They just don't measure up. They're always coming up short. Even though they love God, maybe I need to read the Bible more. Right? Maybe I need to do this more. I need to go to church more. I need to perform more. I need to jump through more hoops for God. Because there, obviously there's something wrong with me. And what happens as Christians is as if we come to a breaking point in our lives where we say, I, I can't do it. And Wednesday, when we had all these prayer requests up here, and it moved my heart deeply, is, is all the things that all of us are carrying, the concerns, the troubles, the pain. And this statement makes us feel like, well, I'm not enough. And there are multitudes of people who are under incredible weight and pressure that have passed the breaking point. And maybe you're struggling today or have in the past with the death of a spouse or the death of a child or, or a divorce or a job loss or a cancer diagnosis or an unfaithful spouse or, or a teenager that's gone off the rails and has been arrested on drug charges or a parent with Alzheimer's or, or lost grandchildren. And I could go on endlessly. We are surrounded by people with broken hearts, broken hopes, broken homes. And when these people hear this statement, hey, just remember, God won't put more on you than you can bear. It is not helpful. And the conclusion is, what is wrong with me then? So the question is this, though. Will we ever, will you ever experience pain, frustration, trouble, pressure, or stress that is more than you can bear? And this is the first point, but I promise you it gets better through the message. The first point is this. What does the Bible say about enduring pressure is this. You will face pressure beyond your ability to endure it. Everybody say amen. amen. <laughs> you just said amen to this, just so you know. But you will. You're going to face pressure that's beyond your ability to endure. Most of us would agree that the Apostle Paul was the rock, solid, superstar, Christian follower of Jesus. But what we learn of this man who was in Christ, sometimes he faced trouble and pressure so severe he couldn't bear it. Or at least he couldn't bear it alone. And here's this amazing confession that I believe is going to speak to all of us today out of 2 Corinthians 1. He says this. We don't want you to be uninformed about what? About pain and suffering and pressure. Brothers, about the hardships we've suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. Far beyond our ability to endure. Look at that. Far beyond our ability to endure. So that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. 
On him we have set our hope that we will continue to that he will continue to deliver us as you help us with your prayers. There's a powerful statement about prayer on the end of this. But the point here is this is that Paul could not stand here today and tell you, hey, that statement that God won't put more than you can bear, that's totally true. He would not say that to you. He he would say this, listen, I've faced a lot of pain, and I want you guys to know this. I've faced so much pressure and hardships in my life as as a Christian that I finally had to admit that as, as a sufferer in this life, I was powerless to help myself. I couldn't do it. I couldn't make it anymore. And he might even say, yeah, I once heard that expression that God won't put more on you than than you can bear. But let me tell you something. That's not true. Don't believe it. There have been times in my life that I've been burdened down. I've been weighed with problems. I've been in despair. And I couldn't bear it. I wouldn't even be here today if God hadn't of delivered me. Now listen, I know all of us have gone through a lot. And when you go through something, that is the, it's the weightiest thing you've ever gone through. But I, I want you to hear Paul really recounting some of the trouble that he faced and the pressures that he faced in life. I'm telling you, this reads like an action movie when you, when you listen to Paul talking about this. So let's look. 2 Corinthians 11, this is what he says. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. In other words, he was, he was beaten with a whip. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. In other words, um, God didn't allow him to nest anywhere. Constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in dangers from bandits, <laughs> in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I have been cold. I have been naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. This guy had been through the ringer, man. This one is like, okay, Paul, you win. You ever ever had a friend who's like, you're like, you know what, I've, I've just got a cold. And they go, well, yeah, but I have pneumonia. Oh, okay. You know, I hurt my leg. Why well, hurt both legs? Uh, okay, well, anyway, I'm going in for surgery. Oh, you know, I've had seven surgeries. So you're like, okay, finally, you win. You win, okay? I get you. You're sicker than I am. This is Paul. Paul is saying this. He's like, you can't compare to what Paul is going through. So Paul wins here. But I'm pretty sure we can use Paul as an, as an example of a rock-solid Christian. No matter what you're going through, he told us, he actually said, he is the example. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And you can't, re, you can't deny the fact that he bore incredible pressures beyond his ability to endure. If this can happen to Paul, here's the question, can it happen to you? The answer is yes to that. There will be times that the pressure of life will be more than you can bear. So then the question is this, why does God allow that? Why does he allow me to experience unmeasurable pressure? And you know what, I I can't give you all the answers and I don't know. And I, I won't stand here and try to tell you that I know the mysteries of God and and why this is happening, and always hindsight is twenty twenty. And there are some things that there will, need, there, there will be no understanding until you are face-to-face with Jesus. 
And I just, I, I just, I know that. But there has to be something that God is showing us. Why we, he would allow us to go past maybe even a breaking point. Or allow us to suffer in our own lives or to be overwhelmed with pressure. So what does God teach you in the moments of overwhelming pressure? I want us to hear from Paul again out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says this, but this happened. What was he speaking? He was speaking about his suffering, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us with your prayers. And this, this whole idea here is this, is you were not endured. You were not created to endure pressure without God. You weren't created to live life without God. You weren't created to be separate from God. And we need him in our lives. And the pressure draws us to deepen our relationship with God. The pressure draws us to lean into God and to, and to understand that we cannot live this life alone. Paul felt this pressure so bad that he said he despaired unto death. In other words, I wish I could just die. Have you ever been there? You've been to a point where the pain was so much in your life that you said, God, just take me home now. Now, I've heard people say that about silly stuff, about the politics didn't go the way they wanted to. Oh, Lord, just Jesus come back now. Come on, give me a break. Paul was saying this, I've been at the point where I would rather have died than keep enduring this pressure. But God didn't take him. Paul felt, God, if maybe you could just take me here. But then he turned his heart to God. Then he thought, wait a minute. Even if I was to die, my God raises us from the dead. So I'm going to hang on to him. I'm going to hang on to the one who raises me from the dead. I, I, no matter where this takes me in my life, I'm going to hang on to the truth that I know. That God will even raise me from the dead. When I look at the journey in my own life and when I look at where Cheryl and I have been at times in our life where things were uncertain and we didn't have direction, even when I was demanding from God, I need direction, I need clarity, I need breakthrough, I need all these things. And after I'd finished pitching my fit and throwing myself on the ground trying to get God's attention, it was in those moments that I realized that even when I don't have answers, he made his peace and his presence aware to me. And it transformed me. That in the midst of my pain, in the midst of, of, of Paul's hardships, in the midst of being beat, in the midst of the shipwreck, in the midst of, of the pain, in the midst of the disappointment, he was there. But something about that he could still endure because he knew something. He knew that God was with him. And I know for me that many times, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm dealing with, I, I, don't, I don't really need answers. I think I need answers. Really what I need in your, in your moments and my moments of, of overwhelming pressure, I just need to know this. God, are you with me? God, are you here? After I stopped, you know, yelling at you or trying to get this or being mad at you or trying. God. Are you still here? And once I quiet my, my own flesh enough, do you know what I hear every time? 
Son, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. and I'll never forsake you. This is what matters in our life of pressure and pain. I, I feel God on the mountaintop. There's no doubt about that. But you know where I get to know God? When I'm in the valley. I get to know him there. I, I, I get to understand the contrast from the mountain to the worst point in my life. I can still have peace when my life is hit rock bottom. I can still know that you're with me. I can still know your wholeness in the moments of confusion. And I, I don't know what's going on. In, in the middle of it, when I'm quiet, I can sense, God, you are with me. And so many people doubt God in the valleys of pain. And they think, if God loved me, if God were really with me, if God really cared for me, if God was able or if God was willing, and it seems like God's given me the opposite of everything I'm praying for. Listen to me for a second. Never doubt in the valley where God has spoken to you on the mountaintop. And never think that the mountaintop is more spiritual than the valley. These times of pressure can be used by God to teach us to depend on him, can teach us to, to understand him, can teach us to press into him, can teach us to hide underneath the shadow of his wing, to teach us to lean on him, and to teach us to know a God that we're going to know for eternity. And he can reveal his secrets and his mysteries in the moments of our deepest valleys. The most well-known psalm out of Psalm 23, he says this, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's a pretty, pretty dark spot. I will fear no evil. Why? Why? What does he say? Because God, you are with me. That's what you need to know. No matter what your pain, no matter what your pressure, no matter what your disappointment, no matter what your betrayal, no matter what your sin, no matter what it is, you need to know this today. God is with you. And my friends, I'm going to make a statement you may, not, you may not totally agree with, but I want you to know this. That is enough. He is enough. So don't let your valley of pain, don't let your suffering push you away from God. Use it as an opportunity to draw lean into God, press into God. Be aware that Jesus is with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Another God teach, that God teaches us in the pressure is this. Number two, you were not created to endure pressure without other believers. Whether you like it or not, God did not save you as an individual. Though he saved you because you are an individual, he saved you and he brought you into this thing called a family. We love being a part of the family of God. But so many because, man, we live in this world as an American, man. Don't, don't tell me I need people. I want to drive into my, into my driveway, go into my garage, shut my door, go in, watch TV, and do it all over again. Don't tell me I need people. I'm an American, and Americans don't need anything. God bless America. But I want, I want you to hear something. Your identity and the family of God is more important than your identity as an American citizen. 
The ways of God are more important than the ways of the American dream, American attitude, American lifestyle. I'm glad I'm a part of the United States of America, but my kingdom citizenship trumps my earthly citizenship. And yours does too. You were not created to endure pressure without other people in your life. That's why, that's why we do things like men's retreats. That's why we're, we're doing a women's gathering coming up soon. That's why we're doing small groups. You will find freedom in the context of relationships. Yes, we have a large gathering, and that's biblical out of Acts. They met in the temple courts. But then what do they do? They met from house to house as well. They did both. There was, there was the, the, the large gathering and the small gathering because you cannot endure the pressure alone. It's like Mount Everest. You can't climb Mount Everest by yourself. You've got to have a team. And you, got, you, you better have somebody in your life that when you're going through it that they can pray for you. And here's the other thing. You need someone in your life when they're going through it, you can pray for them. It's called being a part of the family. That's why Galatians, two, or Galatians 6 says this, that you are to bear one another's burdens so you will fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to be able to endure overwhelming pressures in this life, you can't do it without God and you can't do it without others. And you might think, you know what, Jason, I don't, I don't need any more burdens. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good on the burden side. Thanks a lot. I don't need to carry someone else's. But this is what you will find. The moment that you begin to walk in your nature as a, as a new creation, as a follower of Jesus... And you begin to carry the burdens of other people in your life, you will acknowledge very quickly your burdens begin to get lighter. You begin to get a different perspective. Just like when we prayed on Wednesday. And here we are praying, man. My heart was moved. For you to come on Wednesday and to pray for people's needs that aren't your needs, it is so good for your soul. Why? Because you are walking in the nature of Jesus Christ. That he did not come to be served, but he came to serve. And, and as you begin to pray for the needs of these different people's lives and different, different people's homes, and I know there are people who that you got your own prayer request, but as you begin to pray for that, something breaks off of your life, and you begin to find your burden becoming lighter. It's this divine exchange as we walk with God. You weren't created to endure overwhelming pressure without God and without other people. And as you do that, that's one of the ways that, as Peter said, that you can cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. The last thing that God teaches us in our moments of overwhelming pressure is this. And this is the good news for all of us today, no matter what you're facing. And he says this, that my grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for you. Something you need to know is that you were not created and I've already said this, to live life without God. And when you believe the lie that God won't give you more than you can bear, you think you were the one that needs to bear everything. And you can't do it. God does not expect you to handle everything in life. Yes, there are principles we live by. Yes, there are, there, there are things that he expects us to be obedient to his word, obedient to his voice. And it, but in your weakness, here's what happens. God reveals his strength for you. He helps you. He, he, he girds you up. And he strengthens you to walk the life that he's called you to walk. Using Paul as an example again. Here's, here's the deal. Paul had a chronic 
problem. I, we don't know what it is. A lot of scholars have come to some, some assumptions, some maybe, some crazy. But the reality is this. He had something that he had to deal with in his life that caused pressure for him. Actually, he called it a thorn in his flesh. He had prayed for three separate times. God removed this from him. It wasn't mean in prayer one day he asked. Really what that's talking about is a season of saying, God, remove this from me. Lord, I'm seeking you. God, I'm asking you. Lord, I'm, I'm pressing into you. And he had done that three separate times. And you know what? God did not remove it from him. And this is what Paul talked about, that overwhelming, enduring pressure that he felt in this area. He wrote this in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, to keep me from becoming conceited, conceited because of the surpassing great revelation, which is what we're reading to today and experiencing, I was given a thorn in the flesh, which was a messenger from Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Actually, let's go ahead and read the second half of this. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. Look, he's delighting in weakness. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions and difficulties. Look, look at this. For when I am weak, then... I am strong. If we were to be honest, life is just an overwhelming pressure. Really, life is more than any of us can bear on our own. This is what Paul is saying, is that you won't receive your strength to navigate life until we can admit that we're weak. You think, no, listen, life isn't, listen, I can handle life on, on, on my own. Let me ask you a couple questions. Are you married? <laughs> Marriage is more than you can bear without his power. Let me ask another question. Do you have, do you have children? Are you a parent? Parenting and all the things you've got to deal with through parenting is more than you can bear. Without his power. Are you facing sickness today? It's more than you can bear without his power. Have you lost a loved one? It's more than you can bear without his power. Have you lost a friend? Are you struggling with loneliness today? Are you struggling with depression? Anxiety? Or there's mental illness? Do you have some loss in your life? Are you, are, you, are you dealing with an addiction in your life? Are you facing an uncertain future? Let me, let me, I want you to hear me. It is more than you can bear without God's power. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, I stop relying on what I know. And I start depending on what God knows. I stop relying on my strength and I start accessing the strength of a loving God who is full of grace, who's full of power, who was always with me 
and I can trust in his goodness and his, in his mercy. Then I realize at that moment and that time that the same power, wait a minute, in my weakness, I'm at the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that dwells in me. In other words, I can endure all things through Christ who gives me strength. It is Christ's strength. And once you get this revelation, then when God calls you even to do something that's far beyond you, so far, far more difficult you could ever think, far more than you could ever tolerate and carry in your own flesh, you realize this, in order for me to have his power in every area of my life, I need to be humble, I need to be weak, and I need to be broken, and I need to embrace it so I can access his power. That's what God is saying. I guarantee you there's someone here today who you are facing pain and pressure that's beyond your ability to bear. And I, wa I want you to hear me for a moment. I want you to leave here today. I want you to, to, I want you to think this for a moment. In your own wisdom, you can't do it in your own power. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't do it just because you try harder, because you work harder, because you jump, jump through more hoops. You can't do it. You need to embrace your inability to endure, to fix it, to control it, to change things. And you need to begin to walk in the supernatural power of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3, and we'll close with this, says this, Now to him who is able, speaking of Jesus, to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to what? His power that is at work within us. I know all of us today, no matter what it is that you're facing, there are things that each of us are dealing with. And we're never to compare. Well, I have more pressure than you. Well, no, I have. Listen, uh -uh. wherever you're in right now in your life, it might feel very overwhelming. Whatever you're facing, again, marriage, financial, emotionally, whatever it is. And this is what I know about a God who loves you and cares for you, who, who hates that you have to endure these things. But he has set you here on this earth for a purpose and a reason. And pain is not that reason. You will endure the pain, but he will use that pain to get you to the place you never thought you'd be. That in your weakness, his power is made perfect. That where you are weak, in other words, stop trying to fake it till you make it. Embrace the reality that you are weak and that you need Christ's power. Let's all just bow our heads for a moment today. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.